the Ambitious Radio Network. Conversations with ambitious entrepreneurs and thought leaders. Are you an entrepreneur, startup junkie, or just someone interested in improving their leadership skills? If you're looking to be motivated, inspired, and uncover what it takes to get to the next level, listening to Ambitious Radio will be well worth the investment of your time. We have weekly engaging conversations with today's most influential thought leaders and entrepreneurs as they discuss their successes, failures, tipping points, and other priceless information that you can apply immediately after listening. And welcome to the show. Good to have you right here. It is Ambitious Radio, hosted by our friend Doug Parker, talking about entrepreneurship and leadership while interviewing interesting people and what makes them ambitious. Now, you know, the show wouldn't be possible without our sponsors, Grasshopper.com, the entrepreneur's phone system. You know, most of the time, small business owners need to personally guarantee any loans that their companies take out. That can be kind of tough to do if you have credit issues. So if you have less than perfect credit, go to RepairMyCreditNow.com for a free credit report evaluation. RepairMyCreditNow.com. Doug, what do we have going on today? Today, we've got a very exciting guest. We've got Nadia Zekshemvaiba on the show today, and I am so excited. I don't remember exactly where I was first exposed to her message on reinvention, but I'll tell you what, guys. It is exciting stuff. She is so ambitious, and she's been called the reinvention guru by Ventures Magazine. She's the queen of reinvention as she was on her TED Talk. Uh, Dr. Nadia is a business owner, educator, speaker, and and author specializing in reinvention. And as a consultant, Nadia has helped such organizations as the Coca-Cola Company, ENRC PLC, IBM, Noth Insulation, Vienna Insurance Company, and many others reinvent their products, processes, and leadership practices. As an author, she's written two books, Embed Sustainability and Overfished Ocean Strategy, and contributed to five others. Nadia, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself. What did I miss in the intro? Thank you so much, Doug. It's a wonderful introduction. It's a pleasure and honor to be invited. And um, I'm not sure where to start the story. I can say a few words. Um, I was born in Soviet Union. I'm the last Soviet generation, as they say. So it's people who still remember the old pro-communist years, but uh, made a transition into the new world. I came to U.S. Uh, to get my education, and I've been extremely blessed with the amazing community that carried me through and uh, very happy to meet your audience as well well I, you know and I, I watched your your TED talk and I'm always so you know just uh, thrilled to, to watch other people from from other cultures and, and different things and you know as an American I, you know, I was born here in America I've been here my whole life I think I'm a pretty hard worker but I know that we as Americans, we take so many things for granted. And, you know, at the end of the day, um, I didn't do anything special to be born here in America. I just happened to have been born here. And um, I know that that in one of your talks, you had, you had talked about one day it was the Soviet regime and everything was, you know, kind of whatever your normal was at the time. And you said, I think three people got together and the next day it was radically different. Can you talk about that experience just a little bit? Yeah, I think that's when um, the first real reinvention story happened in my life. And it was not a choice story. And very often we're kind of pushed by circumstances to reinvent. And that was my story. I was, um, you know, a young adult growing up in the Soviet Union. And it was deteriorating 
for the entire youth that I can remember, or childhood that I can remember, because it was already the time that the economic system was falling apart. We had huge problem with food. I mentioned that um, in the same TED Talks, that most, my prevailing childhood memory is standing in line for food. And um, what happened with Soviet Union is not very much a democratic process. So there was no vote, there was no discussion in the community. There was a coup. Um, a, a violent takeover of media and it didn't go very well and right after that uh, three presidents of 15 republics you know Soviet Union was like uh, United States you have 50 plus states we had 15 republics and three of them met at a secret location and just announced it it was over and my republic my country Kazakhstan was so taken off guard and our president was not part of a conversation that uh, it took us a couple of years to get our own currency. So reinvention was forced upon us, but that's what I see in the global market today as well. That's how the last crisis happened. Most companies that survived the crisis and became stronger are the ones who were forced to reinvent by the circumstance. You know, it seems like you talked about actually standing in line for food, and I, and I have no idea. Um, I have no idea what that's like. I I, um, I grew up out in, in, in rural East Texas, and growing up, I never had much, but I always had something to eat, and I always had clothes on my back, and, and that was just kind of my normal. And as I grew up, you know, I, I um, was exposed to some other stuff and moved into a more metropolitan area near Dallas, but... But I never, ever, ever had to worry about food. I mean, that was never even anything I thought about. Now, one thing I have found is that, you know, the tough times, they tend to uh, make you appreciate the good times so much more. Otherwise, you just think that's how it always is. But but I just couldn't imagine, you know, you know not, having, not having food. But you talk about this reinvention process. So... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you look back, it has, it has, it has trained you. It has given you skill sets that you can apply in, in many other ways. Um, and, and, you know, as you process through that and, and you were in Kazakhstan and, and, and going through that, how, what type of obstacles, you know, obviously food, that's a major one, but can you talk a little bit about just your experience? You know, once you kind of, it, it normalized, you said a little bit after two years, what other type of obstacles have you gone through and, and persevered through? Um, during those times as you've now developed into this phenomenal entrepreneur and author. Can you talk about some of your obstacles? Um, It's hard to think of them as obstacles. Looking back, uh, it would be at this point uh, considered an obstacle. If I was to imagine my daughter going through what we went through, I I just cannot fathom. But at that time, it's all you knew, you know. it, It didn't consider to be a very big thing. So right after the Soviet Union collapsed, um, the issue was that there was a huge percentage of our population that was really holding on to the old ways. And it still prevails to this day. You can see what's happening in Russia right now. In Russia today, there's more um, memorials built to Stalin than to anyone else. And Stalin killed millions and millions of people. Both of my grandparents were exe- um, executed by his regime. Um, I am a great-granddaughter of the enemy of the state. Everyone I know had family lost and executed. My husband's grandfather was executed by the regime, and people worship that person. So there is this tendency in humankind to stay with what we know, even what we know is very, very bad. We still prefer to stay with it because it's better than the unknown. 
even if it's intolerable, it feels still better than the unknown. So in that sense, um, what happened in terms of workforce, a huge percentage of the population simply didn't know how to adapt in the open economic environment. And that's why, uh, and of course, the times were very tough. So that's why my sister and I went to work very early. So I started working in an insurance company when I was 13 and a half. And my sister was 15 at the time, and she started working for privatization uh, fund. And since then, we've been working ever since. Do I think of my daughter starting to work last next year i cannot possibly imagine that she's a baby but at that point i was a salesperson door to door selling insurance and it seemed like a normal life i also had an amazing fortune to apply for a grant and come to us uh, to finish my college education and i came with something like 200 dollars to and that was enough to buy sheets and toothbrushes and winter shoes uh, I went to school in upstate New York and that's it and I had to work the first year and not speaking very good English it's always a very interesting self-awareness exercise where you learn so much about yourself and your worth and where it comes from um, so that was very particularly interesting and of course what what Personal tragedies are the ones that I, I tend to keep private, but I also mentioned that in some of the talks, that um, the individuals who were holding on to the past were so, so attached to it that they would rather literally die than move on to a new life. So we had huge losses in our family. Four people committed suicide in a big extended family. And many, many families I know people committed suicide because the depression after the collapse of Soviet Union was just so strong. And uh, the refusal to move on was also so strong. So um, I'm grateful for the challenges. I'm grateful for the journey. And I'm surprised that it turned out the way it turned out. You know, that is a phenomenal, phenomenal story. And uh, guys, if you're listening to this, I mean, you know, as an entrepreneur, sometimes, you know, we think about our worst entrepreneurial moment and it might be, you know, something to do with payroll or, you know, whatever. There is nothing that compares to, you know, people in your family being executed and, and, and people, you know, just committing suicide, you know, and it's on a large scale. And then one other thing that you talked about that it, it just resonated with me just now was, you know, people want to stay with what they know. It, it, it's, it feels better than the unknown. It's, it's not really that they don't want to change. It's just the unknown scares them so bad that they just stay where they're at. And I think that was a very, a very eloquent way that you put that. And that was just great, great information. And, you know, as we kind of transition, I know you've got some great books. Um, and we're going to talk about those here in the next segment. But can you talk a little bit about maybe a couple of books that you might recommend for, uh, for folks that are ambitious, getting out there, making it happen, maybe an entrepreneur or a leader? Uh, sure. So I have some of my favorites that I also recommend in all of my executive education courses. When I, whenever I teach, it's my favorite. So I admire a classic, by now it's a classic, Good to Great uh, by Jim Collins. It was uh, done on the basis of excellent research, but written in a very, very approachable language. And the message is as valid today as it was done before. It really tracks what makes some companies amazing and not just good you know what takes you to the next edge 
Um, I'm also a big favorite of the books by Daniel Pink. So he has a number of them coming out that is more individually focused. Um, to Sell as Human is one of my favorites by him. I love a whole new mind. How do you use left and right brain and why it's so important in business in our uh, kind of new era of creativity and constant search for solutions. And his uh, third book that I adore is Drive about the science of human motivation. So whether you're trying to motivate yourself, your employees or your customers, uh, Drive is an excellent, excellent book. Very good. Well, that is great information for our ambitious listeners. And as always, guys, we put together uh, show notes where you can go back in and reference any of the books mentioned or any of the highlights from the show on an ambitiousradio.com. So just go to ambitiousradio.com and then look up Nadia, N-A-D-Y-A, on the show notes, and uh, she'll be there. And uh, you can follow us on Facebook, like us on Twitter, and after a brief word from our sponsors, we'll be talking more with Nadia about her career pursuits and her experience of becoming an ambitious entrepreneur right here on the Ambitious Radio Network. Here's another RepairMyCreditNow.com story. It's a day this family had dreamed of for quite some time. They were finally getting that brand new SUV. The salesperson at the auto dealership gave them the keys and told them to take it for the weekend. He'd prepared the documents and called them Monday morning. The kids had already installed the headrest DVD when the phone rang. Seems there was a problem with their credit they were unaware of. They'd have to return the SUV to the dealership immediately. Embarrassing to say the least. www.repairmycreditnow.com Hello, this is Doug Parker with repairmycreditnow.com. Do you have less than perfect credit, a repo, maybe some late payments, a collection account? Are they being reported accurately? Studies show that over 70% of Americans have inaccuracies on their credit reports. Where do you fit in? Go to repairmycreditnow.com for your free credit report evaluation. And remember, your credit is your future. If you want to get started now, log on now. RepairMyCreditNow.com RepairMyCreditNow.com www.RepairMyCreditNow.com As we get back into the show, let's give a shout out to our great sponsors, all3reports.com. That's all, the number three reports with an S.com. You know, many people check their credit every three to five years when they're financing a home or maybe when they're purchasing a new vehicle. But if there is an issue, it could be too late to do anything about it. So go to all3reports.com to find out more. Speaking of a new vehicle, a wise person once said, lease what depreciates, buy what appreciates. So go to Autoflex Leasing. They offer a better way to lease your next car. America's largest independent leasing company is Autoflex Leasing. Doug? All right. Welcome back to the Ambitious Radio Network. And we've got Nadia here with us today, and she is an expert in reinvention. How are you, ma'am? I'm very well. Wonderful to be here still. Well, good, 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 good. Well, let's jump into kind of your, uh, I would say, professional adventures. I mean, you have come so far, and you mentioned that you were working at 13 years old, and and you're going door to door uh, in in a you know I guess at that time a a post communist uh, you know environment, and you're and you're uh, selling insurance door to door, and you mentioned your daughter, um, and I know that you know I've mowed lawns when I was a kid, and I sold some different things. But I wasn't going door to door by myself selling insurance in that type of environment. So that was kind of your start, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Um, transitioning through that, you said that was your norm. Uh, mm-hmm. So it wasn't something that was out of the blue for you. And then you got a grant to come to the states and and mm-hmm. and finish up your college. But let's talk about kind of you know what you're what you're doing now and and what what is your day to day operations look like? How is it that you're generating revenue for uh, for yourself now? 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, I tell that to all my audiences uh, and they find it funny that I'm a recovering academic. So the way recovering alcoholics are really <laughs> recovering from their environment, I'm recovering from academia. I used to be a full-time uh, executive education professor in business school. And um, a few years ago, uh, 2010, 2011, my students who are all executives challenged me um, to put what I'm speaking about in practice and they spoke about the fact that everything sounds so beautiful and inspirational and uh, exciting in the classroom and then you go back to real life and realize that it's actually not as black and white and it's a lot of very difficult compromises and you're sucked back into the complex organization so ch they challenged me to take on more of a business role and uh, at that point we already had our consulting company uh, doing little projects and since 2011 our own uh, reinvention agency became uh, really full-blown uh, business pursuit for me what we do is we create um, or we solve reinvention problems for corporations if you will we are kind of corporate fixers uh, thankfully not political fixers uh, i wouldn't be very good at that but we do fix companies and most of the time companies themselves don't know what's wrong they know that they're seeing uh, declining sales or they're seeing declining productivity uh, sometimes they see employee dissatisfaction disengagement or turnover so they see some sort of signal that the system is not healthy that it's not well and that it's on decline but they're not quite sure where is the source of a problem and our job is find the source of the problem figure out a systemic way to renew and reinvent um, whatever is going on so that we don't kill the past of the company of the product of a process but we find a way to take it to the next level to shed what it's not working and to actually enhance what is working so our projects are very very wide range uh, it, they range as much as let's uh, reboot the entire company and take it from being publicly listed to privately listed to the projects uh, let's figure out one product line uh, how to make that product line more successful to let's reinvent the competence model for executives in a major corporation so that they're more equipped with um, skills they need to compete so it's a wide range but the system or the philosophy is always the same let's not throw the baby with the bathwater let's figure out what works let's shed what doesn't work and let's take it to the next level and if someone you know wanted to engage with you in that would the best way to do that is go to the chief reinvention website absolutely uh, of course we welcome uh, new inquiries we also very blessed uh, with the excellent um, client base and we are really working on um, striking the balance between doing um, really high sales volumes and at the same time doing every project very well so we are inviting you to check us out we would be happy to consider a project and um, we also want to make sure that you are satisfying your needs what happens a lot for us is we recommend somebody else it's it, everyone asks me why do in the world do I do that because normal entrepreneurs want to max the sales and push for greater sales volume we're a bit uh, closer to invitation only we do not solicit we do not advertise we do not market um, 
Why I do so, I think there are many amazing providers of solutions around the world that can fit your needs a bit better than we do. But we are happy to consider your project. If we cannot help you, we'll find somebody else who can. You know, and when you talk about that, so do you have, I mean, with your with your background, and I thought that was very interesting that your students are challenging you because you said you're a recovering academic. And, you know, yes. I've, I've heard in the past, you know, that those that cannot do teach and you see some of yes. those things. Um, but with that being said, it's, you know, the real world has has a way of teaching you lessons for sure. And, and I've heard many times before, lessons are better bought than taught. So you go out there and you learn it. It's like telling a kid, hey, that, that stove is hot. Don't touch it. And, they, and don't touch it. And they go, and they touch it. And they go, oh, that's hot, mommy. Like, yeah, I've been telling you that. Um, and sometimes you just got to learn it on your own. But, Absolutely. But, uh, but with that being said, do you find yourself from a scalability? And, and this is just a kind of a, a question that just kind of came to me out of the blue. As much knowledge and experience as you have from the academic pieces and the trainings and then now applying it in real life and, and, and you know, playing with real ammunition out there, um, do you find that your scalability, it's tough because cause you're having Absolutely. to do all the work? You just put your kind of finger on the pulse. Where we've been for the last half a year, and that's one of the reasons we also moving our company from Europe to US, is that we got to the point where scalability became the number one question for us. Um, uh, our entire team is very, very experienced, extremely independent, extremely successful. Most of us are former executives and most of us have excellent education. So this is very mature team. And what we notice is that um, our current product line, our current services are all about taking our physical life out of us, <laughs> meaning that I cannot help my clients unless I'm physically with them. So there's only this many hours I have in a day and there's only this much I can do in my lifetime and I can continue to increase my rate. We've done this consecutively every year, but it's not about uh, how much money I want to make. It's about how many companies and how many individuals I'm capable of helping one client at a time. So scalability today is our number one question. We're exploring different routes. We're exploring uh, putting all the knowledge and all the experience together into a, um, a manageable system. We have started discussing franchising options. We have started discussing certification options. We have started discussing apps and stuff like that. So we're exploring the entire range, the entire range of products that could answer the question of scalability because there's only so much I can squeeze into a day. You know, that is the entrepreneur's uh, challenge, it seems universally, is in, in our minds, we think we can do everything better than everybody else, um, or at least, you know, we have the vision in our mind, and if it's not clearly articulated so, so someone else can follow it, it can make it tough, and then mm -hmm. you run into this, well, you know what, instead of me explaining it to you, I'll just do it myself because mm -hmm. I, I know what I want done but then it's not scalable. And so that is a, a, a universal a universal issue there. Now, just kind of one last question as we wrap up the segment. If there's anything uh, you could go back and give yourself some advice on at any point in the past, um, what would it have been and at what time in your life was that? Well, I would say at least two things to my younger self. Number one, I would say relax. <laughs> it's not as serious and it's not as difficult and it's not as earth-shattering as you see in that very moment. And even if it is, because we've had a number of truly earth-shattering moments 
you know, uh, personal tragedies even. Even if it is earth-shattering, it is there to also teach something, something that you can take out and become stronger. So I would say relax. The second thing is um, I am uh, I'm only coming to this lesson now, uh, which has to do with the difference between assertiveness and aggression. So I grew up in an environment where aggression was not acceptable. So I'm extremely kind of play nice, make it nice kind of person. I'm also a middle child. And I never really yet, and I'm working on it right now, learn how to be assertive without being aggressive. Because being assertive is a must in business and there is no other way to get to excellent result, to get to greatness. So uh, start with assertiveness and don't mix it up with aggression. That would be my other advice. That is great information for our ambitious listeners. And if you're liking what you're hearing and you would like to be updated with new episodes that are coming out, you can subscribe by texting the word ambitious to 69922. That's the word ambitious to 69922. Standard messaging rates apply. See the website for full details. And next, we're going to be talking more to Nadia about the ambitious things that she's doing now and what is next right here on the Ambitious Radio Network. Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God or what they say? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers and if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. This is Kelly Shackelford, president of First Liberty. We're the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. We've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to the local schools. If you want hope for religious freedom, go to firstliberty.org and get your free In God We Trust window clean. That's firstliberty.org. in here on the show. It's Ambitious Radio Network. Hey, are you thinking of expanding your business but don't want to spend tens of thousands of dollars on a new phone system? Consider grasshopper.com. You get to keep your existing number. You have multiple extensions, voicemails transcribed, and no new hardware. Grasshopper.com is the entrepreneur's phone system. Let's get back to the show with Doug Parker. All right, today we are talking to Miss Nadia, and she is just giving us tons of golden nuggets that we can actually go back and apply right now to our lives and to our business, and I am just so thankful to have you on the show. Now, I know that you've got all kinds of great things going on. You're, the, you're an author, you've written uh, Embedded Sustainability and Overfished uh, Ocean Strategy, you've done multiple TED Talks, I mean, you are doing all kinds of stuff. How is it that you determine what to do next? What does that process look like for you? Um, A lot of it is about listening to my inner self and uh, seeing what's bubbling up. And uh, the the last big wave of work that I've done is putting reinvention into more tangible, hands-on, 
tool sets, um, materials, resources for anyone to use around the world so that they can reinvent themselves, they can reinvent their teams, their companies, their communities, and hopefully we together can reinvent the world because clearly the world is in desperate need of reinvention right now. So um, reinvention emerged in a process of really working with my team very deeply um, and figuring out what is that that we've been so successful but never really put good words around. And um, many ask me what is the difference between reinvention and transformation? What's the difference between reinvention and innovation? And these are all very connected ideas. What was important for me is two things. When we talk about transformation, uh, very often transformation in real business is one of those heavily branded um, uh, poorly executed programs that start with some big slogan like program Everest or project arrow and then um, really doesn't change much and we have a really big transformation fatigue so it was important for me to really make sure that if we're speaking about any kind of change it has a tangible real positive uplift uh, for the companies and for the individuals. The second thing is about innovation. Reinvention does not obliterate the past. Uh, when we talk about innovation, you have a kind of blank slate situation, so you don't really need to commit to where you were and really take into account the realities of normal business, which is what are the assets that we have, what are the commitments that we have, what is the physical location that we have? What are the competencies and skills that we have that we simply cannot forget about? And innovation assumes that all of that can be kind of scratched and you can start anew. Uh, the effort of reinvention is actually take the best of what is and add a new spin to it, which is a slightly different set of tools, procedures, approaches, and it's a different mindset altogether. You know, can you talk a little bit about? I know there was a Slovenian company that they were, they were basically kind of in, in dire straits at the at the end, mm -hmm. looking like it was they're going to have to fire a bunch of people or, or something along those lines. And you'd mm -hmm. mention it in the TED talk, but then they really just accelerated and and was able to reinvent themselves and and do some stuff with with diesel engine parts and electric parts. Yeah. Can, you, can you tell that story? Absolutely, it's one of my darling darling discoveries uh, in my years in Europe. Uh, it's a company called Hydria, H-I-D-R-I-I-A, maybe that's Hydria. And the company uh, really in the early 2000s was a very mid-sized heating and cooling systems company. And um, it found itself in the fall, um, spring, fall, in, in the middle of 2004, recognizing that they're squeezed from two sides, the low-cost East, mainly China, and very high-cost West, mainly Europe. So they knew they had no future. And this company is located is literally in the mountains, Alpine mountains, with no highways, and the entire town depends on it. So if this company goes down, the entire town goes down. So it was a very kind of die-or-fly situation for Hydria. And what they did is that they did not fall into a trap of cost-cutting routines where most of our companies go when they're facing difficult times. But they also did not go crazy with crazy type of innovations. They looked around, they asked themselves a very simple question. What are we good at? And where can we use it in a new way? What are we good at? 
and where can we use it in a new way? And what they realized in many different um, kind of brainstorming sessions is that one area where they're very good is electric motors because that's what inside the heating and cooling equipment. And there was an industry uh, that was desperately looking for uh, knowledge and competence and tools and um, products in electric motors and that was car industry because car industry being a combustion engine industry was not very skilled and very trained in electric motors. So in 2005 they introduced their first product, it was a tiny tiny glow stick, no more than the size of a typical pencil that uh, measures the pressure inside the engine, uh, car engine and today uh, something like every six car on the road has hydria parts uh, universally, globally. So this company went from near death to stellar performance, award after awards, big product range, all because they asked themselves a very simple question, what are we good at and how can we use it in a new and improved way? That is unbelievable. So they didn't fall into the trap of cost cutting. What are we good Absolutely. at and how do we use it in a different way? Mm-hmm unbelievable that that's that's great stuff and and you know you look at all these different things and you know it's it's kind of a biblical principle what it talks about there's nothing new under the sun you know the reality is that everything is already out there it's just finding ways to reapply it reallocate and and just you know do the entrepreneurial way of just not taking no for an answer just work hard figure it out and then and then do what you're good at and and just and just really make it happen. I mean, that, that's 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 really great advice. Now, when we're talking about advice, what what is one of the best pieces of advice maybe you've received uh, before? Oh, that's a good question. I have so many amazing people in my life, and also people I meet once, and they they really have a lasting impact on me. Um, I got a lot of messages in the last year or two. And maybe it's not the best piece of advice, but it's one that is uh, near my heart today, in my career, in my life today, which is you cannot help anyone until you yourself are overflowing with energy, with joy, with strength. And um, it's, it's very natural for entrepreneurs to really put themselves out there. It's very natural for us to work nights and weekends and whatever. It's very natural for us to get very excited about new ideas and, you know, go bonanza on our emails and uh, meetings and um, so on. But there is a limit to that creative energy unless we constantly replenish ourselves. And um, I remember recently in some of the videos that I watched, um, there is a wonderful quote by Oprah Winfrey when she said, I think she was in Stanford and she was speaking um, to this young a group of ex uh, MBAs in Stanford and she says well um, you people used to tell me you're so full of yourself and she said I was very offended by that but then now I take it as a as a compliment I'm so full I'm my cup is overflowing I would like to give some to to the world and I think it's a very very difficult thing to be in an environment where there's a, a lot of um, demands on each other and a lot of easy judgments made globally between different countries, between different companies, between different people. But I think we have to make ourselves full. We have to make ourselves strong um, so that we can give to others, whether it's product services or whatever else. Great information. you got to make yourself full and you can't, you cannot help anyone until 
you are in in a position where you're overflowing and that's 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 just great it really is great stuff now you mentioned a couple mentors over the years is there anyone that kind of sticks out right now a, a particular mentor and, and maybe something that they uh, had shared with you Oh, absolutely I had a complete fortune to study my doctorate degree under a group of amazing people and two of them in particular Dr. Ron Fry and Dr. David Cooperider uh, at Case Western Reserve in Cleveland Ohio are people who created this amazing methodology called appreciative inquiry and the essence of appreciative inquiry or a broader field with broader name for that is called strengths-based change is about the fact that when we grow up we learn to constantly pay attention to the negative, to constantly pay attention to what doesn't work. So if your company is slagging in sales, so the sales have grown down, the natural thing is to look at every week or every day where the sales are the lowest and try to fix the problem. And what David and Ron developed is this methodology of how you also look at the days when your sales were the highest and repeat what was done right at that time. This method has been used in many, many companies. One of them is Hunter Douglas, the company that produces window dressings of different kind, curtains and uh, blinds and so on. And they were able to increase their productivity yield from low 80s to high 90s. And for them, every one point increase is about one million in the bottom line, only by using this method. Instead of beating around the low productivity days, they would start looking at the high productivity date and repeat what was done right in those days rather than constantly being upset about what went wrong. So David and Ron, um, I think they changed my life, perhaps saved my life. I was very young when I started doctorate. I was 22 and I cannot thank universe and them personally enough for everything they give in my life. Appreciative Inquiry, Google it up. It's free resource. Um, there is a wonderful site called Appreciative Inquiry Commons where you can get every resource for free and start using it in your life. And we will put a link to that uh, as well in the show notes. And now, now that was a very sophisticated explanation. You know, I heard something the other day. I'm, I'm just a good old East Texas boy, but I heard something the other day that, you know, you hear a lot of times learn from other people's, and a lot of people will fill in the blank as failures. Mm. But uh, I heard a spin on it that was, no, learn from other people's successes. You don't want to learn from the failures that are not doing it right. And I think it's very similar to what you just said. You, mm-hmm. know, you learn from the successful days as well and not just a look at the at the negatives. So that is great information for our ambitious listeners. And I really do appreciate you, you sharing all this great information. After a brief word from our sponsor, we're going to be more, uh, discussing more with Nadia with what she does to recharge her ambitious body, mind, and spirit right here on the Ambitious Radio Network. It's that time again. Summertime. Kids are out of school, running around, having fun in the sun, leaving the doors open, trying to air condition the entire neighborhood. I just got my first electric bill of the summer and it is double what it was a few months ago. I can't wait for these kids to go back to school. Tired of paying outrageous electricity bills? Would you like to get a significant discount or get free electricity? Go to freeelectricitydfw.com to compare our rates. Many of our clients are saving anywhere from 15 to 20%. We also have a referral program that allows you to earn free electricity. You cannot beat free cents per kilowatt. Switch and save 
save with free electricity, dfw.com. That's free electricity, dfw.com. We offer free energy credits to customers who refer and activate 15 or more qualified customers for our electricity service and are not past due on their bill. To get your free energy credit, your customers must be referred through your free customer gathering website. See freeelectricitydfw.com for more details. And we're back in here on the show. It's Ambitious Radio Network, recharging the ambitious mind, body, and spirit, made possible by RepairMyCreditNow.com. You know, having bad credit can be really draining. It's okay to not be okay as long as you're on the road to being okay. Let RepairMyCreditNow.com help get you back on track. You know, many of our ambitious listeners prefer to listen to books as opposed to reading them. Now, with that, we've teamed up with Audible.com to offer you one free audiobook. Just go to AmbitiousRadio.com, click on the Audible banner on the page to find out more. Back to the show now with Doug Parker. All right, guys, we're back on the Ambitious Radio Network with Nadia Zexambaiba, and I am so excited for a couple reasons. I think I got the name close to being right. <laughs> and, Thank you, Doug. And it was intimidating because I'm going to tell you what, it has a bunch of letters in it, and uh, I am appreciative that she pronounced it for me a couple of times throughout the show here today. But with that being said, we're going to jump right in because... As you guys can tell, she has done so much, is is really so intense, and she talked about the differences between aggression and 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 assertiveness and you know coming from a, a really a totally different culture, a communistic society to thriving in a capitalist society, but that takes a toll on you. And so I want to talk a little bit about what you do to recharge. What do you do to recharge your ambitious body, mind, and spirit? Well, um, many of my colleagues and friends think that I live a kind of soldier life. Um, I am very, very dedicated to keeping my health and my mind strong because I know that my hours and my travel schedule, just the travel schedule alone, I travel almost every week. I've been on the road in Africa, Asia, Europe, US, nonstop for the last 24 months. So um, just the travel alone can get you sick, let alone being able to perform in all those meetings and all those locations. So I am a vegetarian for about uh, 11 years. I am yoga practicing, I meditate every day um, and use many forms of meditation. It doesn't need to be um, any kind of um, associated to religion, whatever is your belief system, you can add meditation that is denominationally free there are great space apps, um, mind space apps for that. Um, I exercise. I spent very good quality time with my family. I think I would not be anywhere uh, without the amazing family and friends that I have. Uh, so it's a very, you can say, regimented life, but it doesn't feel regimented to me. It feels like I'm listening to my body and I'm committed to making it strong and happy. Um, that would be the kind of the overall nuts and bolts of it. Sure, and 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 on an episode, a, a couple episodes back with uh, Shelley David Eskew, she does uh, coaching, personal coaching for people that uh, that are coaches, and mm-hmm. to do with their eating habits and those kinds of things. And she talked about that your body won't lie to you. Your body tells you when you're doing either too much or not enough or not eating healthy or exercising, and so. You know, it really makes a huge difference whenever 
you know, you're pushing, 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 and you know, you, get, you talk about sustainability. I mean, the ultimate sustainability is your body. Can Absolutely. you, you know, can you sustain and, and do those kinds of things? And and so that's great to hear that that you're, uh, you know, keeping your mind, body, and spirit healthy. Now, did you mention Headspace as uh, as an app or something for meditation? Uh, there's a number one, a number of them that I use. Uh, I do admire Headspace very much. It's free. The 10 days trial is free. It can be added on uh, to your life um, very easily. But another one that is even easier is um, uh, a website called Do Nothing for Two Minutes. I think that's the name of it. Yeah, do nothing for two minutes.com. So you don't need even to install anything. And whenever I do that with my students, I do that in all executive MBA classes or all executive education classes. Uh, they all say that the first 30 seconds they get very restless. They're like, I'm being so unproductive. I am, what am I doing? Why am I sitting quietly and doing nothing? Uh, and then they notice that the quality of their thinking, the kind of refresh and reboot, from those two minutes is exceptional. So you don't need too much time. Uh, there was an excellent um, little snippet on Huffington Post a couple of days ago by a Buddhist monk that explains that you can meditate anywhere, anytime, and all you need is one or two breaths. So it's really important thing to add to our body and mind and spirit this time to reboot and recharge. And many people do it also through physical exercise. Any kind of repetitive motion is a meditation. If you're a runner, if you're a biker, if you're a swimmer, you are meditating just in a different form. And this is why your mind feels so much better afterwards. So Headspace is one, do nothing for two minutes.com is another. Um, and also disconnecting. So I am a, a, a really horrible person uh, when it comes to social media. I am obsessed with social media. I love my Twitter followers. I just hit 40,000 today. So I was very excited about that. And um, there's a dark side to that. So I learned to self-control by installing an app called self-control on my computer and what it does you set a timer and all social media sites are blocked until the timer is off no matter how, what you try to do and that helps me self-control it sounds funny uh, especially for obsessives of us but it really really helps when I need to write those very complex documents or when I'm writing my book I just set the timer and I don't touch social media you know, it's it's amazing how the things that make us so great in some situations, uh, they can really be such a handicap in others. So you're so absolutely, you know, you're driven and you're intense and you're focused and you're just making it happen, and then um, all of a sudden you're driven and you're focused and you're intense. But social media never stops. It, it it's the endless uh, thing and it can drain. Uh, so much time if you're not careful. So speaking of social media, so obviously you say you're social. So how would someone engage with you on Twitter or, or you know Facebook, those kinds of things? Uh, I just opened my Twitter page. I've made a mistake. It's 39,000 followers that we hit today. So on Twitter, my um, my hashtag is very difficult. It's Nadia Jaksimbay. Uh, but you, if you just search, I'm sure you will find something. 
Um, I am on LinkedIn. Uh, you can always connect, and I'm also on Facebook. You can also sign up for my newsletter. I actually write it myself once a month, and I try to really connect to the audience, and we've been having a really good conversation with the audience. It's at chiefreinventionofficer.com. You can find all the links to my social media through chiefreinventionofficer.com. You know that is great, great information. And again, um, I could, I could, I had a little bit of a difficult, difficult time pronouncing it. Hopefully, it was close to the way she just said it. Earlier. Very good. But uh, what we will do again, we'll put all the links to all of her social media and all those kind of things. We'll help get you to that forty thousand number, hopefully, very quickly. Uh, it's great to have those uh, those followers and having those guys engaged. And um, just kind of one, really kind of one last maybe uh, question or set of questions. Let's talk about your daily routine. What what does that kind of look like? the rhythm of getting up and, and then going to bed and then kind of what do you do during the daytime? Um, well, I wake up typically around 7. I'm not an early riser. Despite all efforts, it turns out that's just not my biological clock. Um, depending on where I am. So if I'm on location, I usually work between 16 and 18 hours on location, which is insane and I do not recommend it to anyone, but that's just uh, my system. And then when I am back in the office, back in my home base, I try to work many less hours and recharge much more. So my typical life is actually two to three weeks, extreme intensity, most of the time in a faraway country, and uh, about one week to 10 days in my home base, very calmly relaxing, um, a few phone calls, Skype calls, about two to three hours a day, another two hours of email, and I just um, kind of recharge. So this is not a lifestyle I can sustain for many years. As I said, I fly nonstop. Uh, there's one hotel in Asia where I stay more than 100 days a year. Imagine how much they know me. <laughs> every every third, every fourth day a year I spend there. Uh, so uh, I try to really find a more balanced life in the future. But for now, that's how it looks. So uh, a lot of virtual communications, a lot of snacks and small exercise in between, always yoga in the morning, always meditation on my veranda if I'm at home or in my hotel room. Um, also a lot of meetings so what happens when I'm working is actually I am a facilitator of new life of new being in the business a new kind of wave of life in business so I spend a lot of time in meetings but I find them when they're done right extremely productive short effective and get people to be much more calm about changes that are happening very good, very good. Well, Nadia Zexambeva, thank you so much for coming on the Ambitious Radio Network today. We really appreciate you. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. You are so welcome. So tune in Wednesdays to Ambitious Radio, where we interview thought leaders and exciting entrepreneurs changing the faces of their organizations. Remember, you can make money or you can make excuses, but you cannot be cannot make both. So go out there and be ambitious. Thank you for listening to the Ambitious Radio Network, hosted by serial entrepreneur Doug Parker. Join us weekly as we have engaging conversations with ambitious entrepreneurs and thought leaders on topics that can be applied immediately after listening. Like what you've heard? Listen to other interviews at ambitiousradio.com or subscribe on iTunes.